Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. We're going through 1 Thessalonians, and we've been looking at the whole issue of faith, your faith, in uncertain times. The culture is changing, everything's changing around us, and it's changing rather rapidly. It's almost amazing how quickly things are changing. And it's because of the technology that we live in. We live in such a technological age where there's always something new happening all the time. The reality is is that we live in changing times, so the question is is how do we how do we live in the midst of that? How do we have our faith in the midst of that? Because our faith is constantly being challenged. Now when I say faith, let me just stop for a moment. I am not talking about just your beliefs. When I talk about your faith, I'm not talking about just your beliefs. Yes, those are being challenged. But what I'm talking about is your walk with God. We're talking about your relationship with Jesus is constantly being challenged. And the reality is is that as we succumb to the culture, as we give in to what the culture has to offer us, it affects our relationship with Jesus. And we're going to see that here in a moment, how that happens, because he's going to tell us something that we need to avoid Something that we need to stay away from. And you're going to be like, when I tell you what it is, you're going to be like, how in the world can we do that? Because our culture is so filled with it. You can't even turn the news on without seeing it. can't watch a ball game without seeing it. How do we stay away from it? Well, we're going to talk about that today and why we should. We're not just going to tell you to stay away from it. We're going to tell you why. Because oftentimes in church for years we told people not to do things. And we gave them a list of rules, but we didn't tell them why. And you're going to see why it's so important for you to avoid this one area. So let's look together. We're going to look just at the first five verses of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He says this. Paul's writing. He says... Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you've received from us how you ought to walk and please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust, just to the Gentiles who do not know God. Folks, what we're going to talk today about is we're going to talk about how the culture that we live in, and let's just recognize the culture that we live in, we live in a very sensually oriented culture, do we not? The reality is that you've heard it before, sex sells, right? And it's just blatant everywhere. And every one of us, whether you're male or female, are affected by the whole culture 
And it doesn't just affect your everyday life. It doesn't just affect your marriages. It doesn't affect your relationships. It affects your relationship with God. And so we're going to see what he tells us today. Because I'll just be flat out honest with you. You may want to mark this on your, on your bulletin there. This is one of the few times where God directly tells you what his will is. So we're going to look here and see what it says. But in order to do that, we're going to take this passage and we're going to divide it into two sections. We're going to look, first of all, to verses 1 and 2 and look at what the spiritual focus needs to be. Before we even can talk about the issue of God's will in this whole area, in verses 3 to 5, we've got to have a spiritual focus. You've got to have a foundation to be able to understand why you need to stay away from it. We're going to see that in verses 1 to 2. And then we're going to look at a clear directive in verses 3 to 5. A spiritual focus that kind of lays the foundation for how you and I are, what we're supposed to do, why we're doing this. And then we're going to see a clear directive. You can't get any more clear than what what Paul says here concerning this whole issue that affects every one of us in verses 3 to 5. So let's look at it together. First of all, look at 1 and 2. Look at what he says there. Let's look at it again. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more... Just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, for you know the commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. First thing I want you to see here is this. Notice what he says there, verse 1. That you should abound more and more. What does that word abound more and more mean? Well, it means that your life is overflowing That you have an overflowing life. Okay, well, George, what does that mean? Well, again, that means that you and I should have an abundant life. So here's the point. There is a desire for you to have an abundant life. An abundant life. Now remember, go back to the Gospels with me. Jesus said this, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus said the whole reason why he comes, the whole reason why he came was so that you can have life. He went to the cross so that you can have life, so that you can have it more abundantly. He's talking about that you as a believer would have an abundant life in Jesus. Isn't that what we all want? Another way to say it, another way to say abundant life is a fulfilled life. Abundant life also means fulfilled life. So the desire here that Paul is talking about is that you and I have an abundant or fulfilled life. Now, don't we all want that? Now, here's the problem, though, isn't it? You know that's what Jesus says that he came to do is to give you and I an abundant life. You know here as we read this passage that the Apostle Paul is saying, This is my desire for you, that you abound more and more, that you have this abundant life. But if the rubber meets the road, let's talk about it for you and I, talking about myself as well as for you. We look at our Christian walk, we look at our walk with Jesus, we look at our everyday, and the one thing when it comes to our spirituality and it comes to our walk with Him, the one thing we cannot say is, wow. I'm just overflowing in my relationship with Jesus. My life is fulfilled. 
My life is abundant. In fact, what we probably would say is, is something's missing. Isn't that what we would say? When we talk about our Christian life, more and more we would say that something's missing. And that's a reality, isn't it? Because, and listen, that's going to affect, because we're talking about having faith in uncertain times. What can we do about that, George? Because the promise is here, the desire is here. What do we do about that? Let's keep going on. The next thing I want you to see there is, the basis for the abundant life is living to please God. Look at what he says. Verse 1. Just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. Could it be that the thing, the reason why we sense that something's missing in our spiritual lives is because maybe we're living for the wrong thing? Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, it's true because our culture, in our culture, everybody's got to be it for himself, right? You, if nobody's living for, nobody's going to live it for you, you need to live it for yourself. And so we embrace that concept. And so the whole thought of who I'm living for, who I'm wanting to please, is myself. That's what the culture teaches. But here, Paul's saying, I want you, I desire that you have an abundant life so that you can live in such a way that you please who? God. See, the basis for having that abundant life is that we live a life in such a way that we're pleasing God. Did you know what I mean? He is the motivation for why you live. He is the motivation for what you do. He is the motivation for how you live. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? Abundance in our life is so that we can please God. So the first thing is, okay, if we're, if we're saying to ourselves, well, something's missing, George, I would first of all ask you, who are you living for? Who are you living to please? And is it any wonder that we don't have abundance in our life? So what do we do about it, George? What do we do about it? Well, I think he, he, he says it there. Look what he says in verse 2. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. What's he saying? The key to this abundant life is God's commands. The key to this abundant life is God's commands. Now, let's stop here for a moment before we get on to the second section they're talking about a clear directive. Here's where we get hung up. And it comes right down to what we think about when God tells us to do something and when he tells us not to do something. Because the problem is is that sometimes you and I can get into a mindset that we really don't like somebody telling us what we can and cannot do. Do you know what I mean? Here's the problem, though. We act that way towards God's commands. Because here's what enters into our mind. Whether we want to say it or not, when God tells us to do something, we have this attitude that he's holding out on us on something. I know better. And that's the mindset, whether we realize it or not, that many of us, including myself, adopt concerning God's commands. Well, I want to help you and I. I want to help myself, and I want to help you to understand God's commands a little bit. God's commands are not coming from someone who wants to squash you. That's not who God's commands are coming from. So let's 
wipe that out of our mind. God's commands are coming from someone who does love you, who does care for you, who wants what's best for you, who wants to spare you from the dangers that our world has to offer, who wants to keep you from opening up a new awareness into your life, because if you open that awareness, you enter into a world that you cannot escape from. What are you talking about, George? Well, I mean, you and I open ourselves up to new awarenesses all the time. The very first time that happened was when Adam and Eve ate from what? The tree. And they became aware, like they've never been, and and the rest of us have been doomed because of that. You and I can enter into the reality. God's commands are not a symbol of meanness, but rather a symbol of love. So when he lays down commands, don't see them as rigid steel walls, but rather see them as loving boundaries that you should not cross. That's the point. The key to the abundant life, the reason why things are so missing in our life is because we, let's be honest, ignore what his commands are for our lives, don't we? We ignore the boundaries that he set up for us. We have an attitude about them. And so here, in order for us to understand the clear directive that's coming, you've got to understand and have a spiritual focus to understand a directive. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? So now we come to where it is where we got to live in this culture. Because let's be honest, the culture is what it is. So the question is, is how do we have an abundant, fulfilled life in these uncertain times? How do we do it? We need to pay attention to his clear directive in this big area. And it's a big area, isn't it? Look at what he says. Verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. First thing I want you to see is this. He uses the word, this is the will of God, so we understand that part. Your sanctification. Now, what in the world does that mean, George? Well, the word sanctify, which this word comes from, means to be separate from or to be pure. So really what he's saying is, is this is your purification. This is the will of God, your purification. So what's he saying here? God wants us to be pure. He wants you and I to be pure. Now let me just stop for a moment because some of you are going to say, you know, that's great, George, I'd like to be pure and... You know, I'd like to be a... But you know what? Hey, you don't know what I've done in my past. You don't know the things that I've messed up. You don't know how dirty I feel or the shame I carry or the guilt I carry from my past. And yeah, that would be cool to be pure, but that's just not possible. Humanly speaking, that's true. But we're not talking about humanly speaking. Because when Jesus forgives... He cleanses us and makes us 
whiter than snow. Isn't that purity? So it really doesn't matter what your mess up was in the past. When he talks about you being pure now, he's not talking about you removing all that stuff in the past. You can't remove that stuff. Only God can remove it. But what he's talking about is who you are now. We're talking about who you are now. Do you understand what I'm saying? And you don't have to be who you were before. You don't have to live there anymore. God wants us to be pure. He wants us to live pure in this culture in these times of uncertainty. And it is possible. And this is His command. This is God's will. In fact, again, let me just go ahead and tell you, I can only think of one other time in the New Testament where He tells us what God's will is. 1 Thessalonians 5. That we're to give thanks in everything. For this is the will of God concerning you. So two times he tells us the will of God, and it's in this letter. No, And the other times we're like, wow, what's the will of God for my life? Hey, be pure, be thankful. Here's talking about purity. God wants us to be pure. What are we to do? Well, let's look at what he says there. Verse 3. That you should abstain from sexual immorality. Okay, what does that mean, George? I... I mean, I've got my own concepts here. What does it mean? Well, first of all, let's talk about abstain. Abstain can also be translated avoid. We're not just talking about it because, oh, I'm abstaining. Like, what does that mean? It's like a big Bible word. It means to avoid. Sexual immorality. Well, the word there is the word pornea. The Greek word pornea, from which we get words today like pornography. Pornography is part of pornea. Sexual immorality is all sexual activity outside of marriage. All sexual activity outside of marriage. And we understand from the New Testament that covers a whole lot. What do you mean, George? Well, Jesus said that you and I commit adultery if we, what, look at a woman with lust in our eyes. So our thought life can be sexually immoral. What we look at on the internet, a lot of people are struggling with that, can be sexually immoral. Looking at other women or men with lust is sexually immoral. Engaging in adultery, if you're married, is sexually what? Immoral. Engaging in sexual activity outside of marriage is what? Sexually immoral. He's telling us to avoid these things in our culture. Avoid them. And you're like, whoa! That is our culture! Isn't it? Because that's our culture! Our culture says it's okay to cheat on your spouse. Our culture says it's okay what you want to watch on the Internet or on a TV. Our culture says your thought life is your thought life. All of that is okay as far as what our culture says, right? But I want you to stop for a moment. God's telling us to avoid it. God's telling us to, he wants us to be pure and he wants us to avoid it. Now can I tell you why? 
because you've heard this before, right? You've been at, for those of you who've been in church for a long time, you've heard it before. You shouldn't be doing that, right? Here's why. Verse 1 and 2. Because the desire is, is that you have the abundant life. The desire is, is that you live a life that pleases God. And the key to living that life is the boundary that he set up for you because he knows that when you cross that boundary in this area of sexual sin, whatever it might be, you're stepping out of the boundary he set up so that you can have that abundant life, so that you can be fulfilled. And no wonder we say something's missing, right? It's because all of us are crossing this boundary multiple times. I mean, you can sit there and say, well, I'm not going to do it. I drive down the road and there's a billboard for a beer. And it ain't the beer. It's the girl holding the beer. Did did you understand what I'm saying? Or the guy holding the beer. The, The reality is, is that it's all around us. And his desire, his will, is that you would be pure. Because he wants you to have a fulfilled life. Here's an area we gotta work on, folks. We gotta work on it. God wants us to be pure. God wants us to be pure. And that second point there is that we are to actively avoid sexual sin. You and I are to actively do this. It's not like a one-time decision. Did you understand what I'm saying? It's not a one-time decision. I think the best people to understand this, seriously, the best people who understand this, are the people who struggle with addictive behaviors. People who are trying to overcome maybe alcohol or smoking or something. Because you realize it isn't just going to be a one-time decision to do that. You gotta work at it. You gotta start avoiding things in your life. And so we tell a person who struggles with drug or drugs or alcohol, avoid those friends! Don't we tell them that? Make new friends! Folks, we gotta learn to avoid it in our lives. Maybe we need to shut the TV off. Well, you sound like, like one of those old Baptist preachers from years ago not watching anything. I didn't say that. I didn't tell you what not to watch. You know what not to watch. I don't need to tell you that. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know what not to watch. You know what not to click on. You have to actively, actively avoid sexual sin in your life. Here's the third point. Look at verse 4. Look at what he says here. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Another way to say that again, sanctification and purity and honor. Each of us needs to know how to possess our own vessel. Now, what's he talking about vessel? He's talking about your body. you got to learn to take control of your own body. Here's what he says. We have to learn to control our bodies and its desires. You gotta get control of your desires. You gotta get control of your bodies. And let me just go ahead and flat out tell you this right now. For so often in church it's been cookie cutter, cookie cutter. We want everybody to be the same, everybody to be the same. That is bunch of baloney. Because here's the reality. Each of us are different from the other person. Our struggles are different. Our desires are different. And what our bodies crave are different. Do you hear me? And so for some, it's easy. 
But for someone else, it's not. And each of us needs to learn how to what? Control it. So can I tell you how you do it? Here's one way you do it. Don't feed the monster. Don't feed the monster. For some of you, it's the stuff you're inputting constantly in your mind. In your mind. It may be a program. It might be a radio program, the sensuality of what you're listening to in the morning, the crude jokes, the the uh, the discussion that they're having. I mean, if you listen to some of the morning shows, they're ridiculous what they're talking about. But we laugh at them. That's just coming right into your mind. Maybe maybe for some of you, it, remember, preachers used to talk about this, oh, watch the soap operas. Talk about an invitation to watch the soap operas. Now, they were right. Because you can get sucked into that, and, and that what, what happens is, is when you feed your mind, you are desensitizing yourself. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? You're desensitizing yourself so to the point that your bodies begin to be out of control. But you no longer sense the closeness of God in your life, and you no longer sense fulfillment, and you begin to ask yourself questions like, what's missing? What's missing? Did you understand what I'm saying? He's calling us here to be different. In fact, so much so, this is what he says in verse 5. Look at what he says in verse 5. Not in passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God. Here's the fifth point. Don't live like unbelievers. That's what everybody else is doing. Another way to say it is, is don't live like the culture. Because there's something so much more going on here. The realization is that there's so much more. What is it? The abundant life. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And how many times have we asked for that? Lord, where... Where's that abundant life? Where's that abundant life? I can tell you right now, one of the reasons probably why it's not there is because we've not been careful in this area. Do you understand what I'm saying? We've not taken control of our thought lives. We've not taken control of our behaviors. We've not taken control of our lusts. We've been feeding the monster. And I'm not just talking about guys here. Gals have the problem too. All of us. Lust affect everyone. He's calling us to something different. Don't we want that? Don't we want the fulfillment? See, if you understand verses 1 and 2, the key, the key is understanding that the the abundant life that he desires for me, the abundant life that pleases God, is keeping his commands. And then he goes right into this issue. So I deal with this issue. Because I want that life he wants for me. Do you know what I'm saying? I want the abundance of that life. I want that fulfillment. 
I don't want to have something missing in my life. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.